All right, I'm going to, let's go ahead and dismiss kids, and I'll continue with a few things, but access kids, have fun. Okay, and offering, uh, let me say thank you. You guys are amazing and generous and continue to be, and I just want to say thank you. Because we as a church uh, practice generosity and giving away and supporting other things outside of these walls. And so that's through you guys. So before I do announcements, those you guys with the baskets, come and wait on everybody. Four ways to give. And some of you are already using some of those today. I know. All right. And while they're passing a basket or you're identified with some of these other things reminding you that on the back of your chair is a QR code and that's where you give us permission to get to know you. It's where you investigate. Uh, how do I get involved here? How to be a part of Access Church? Well, all of those things are here. You want to serve. You want to uh, understand what's going on. You want to come to Welcome to Access. That's the pathway. If you don't like QR codes, we have paper in the back. You're welcome to use those as well. We have translation today. Necesitas traducción. Here we go. And it's in the back. <laughs> and you can, uh, you can access those. And we have um, Abby on translation today. And going to be an awesome day for that, but thankful for the technology and the system that we have to be able to do that. I asked um, a few months ago, this, this will be in terms of announcements, but if you, many, we have many organizations represented here, I want to give you one more opportunity. If you need some volunteers, you need to use the QR code or let Maddie know because we're going to have some volunteer opportunities in September. And I'm trying to share that opportunity. But if you don't need help, it's, I'm going to assume that. Because we don't hear from you. Okay? Others of you are riding in and volunteering. And that's amazing. And so we'll keep track of that. We want to give you, though, opportunities to be able to serve. Now that the children are gone, I want to invite you that are in the back. If you want to move forward. Okay, there's lots of seats open, but definitely trying to cut down on the chaos and the conversations in that upper deck. Charlie, help me with that. Thank you. All right. I'm safe. All right. I do need the table, though, guys. I'm going to move to the message time. If somebody can help me with that table. Last week. I started talking to you about uh, time, and that was one of the graphs. If you weren't here, we talked about time, uh, and it's just kind of a natural thing. What what it looks like, the opportunity that we have, as in that case, was parents to parent our children and to invest in their lives. Also, the example, the real-life example, that as you age and the children leave, there's less time from 18 on that they are 
under your care, parents, and eventually they are moving on, and then it's you and your spouse together, and then one of you passes, and then you're alone. And that, that's just kind of reality of the life that we live. Uh, and, and so I just wanted to bring some awareness to that last week, that we have um, a, a little bit of time. And so be, being that we have time, we have opportunity. And eventually time expires, and opportunity expires as well. And I don't want you to live with regret. I want you to be able to see God redeem the time. Not just physically, but spiritually. Investing in the little ones. Investing in your children. Seeing God. Your children walk with God all their days. That's what it is to redeem that time and, and see fruition of, of what God has done. I want to continue that thought this morning as we kind of wrap this up, but I, I, I had to rush through some things a little bit last week, and I, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to have us clearly unpack some things, and so I'm, I'm picking up kind of where I left off last week, and I offered, and I'll offer again, maybe you weren't here. If you have opportunity, maybe throw up that phone number, guys, 3379 number. Three three seven nine. There it is. Nine. Okay. So I just offer myself as a resource, not because I'm the greatest, but it's just that sometimes in parenting and in marriages, that you maybe reach the end of what you're able to do and accomplish. And you need some intervention. You need an extra resource. And I would just saying, I, I would speak with your kids. And maybe that's enough of a threat. You just say, don't, don't make me call this number. And they begin to pay attention. They, they know that you're serious. Because I'm serious. I'm glad to come and explain from a biblical perspective when things are off. Glad to do that. And sometimes it's your kids. Sometimes it's the marriage where things are off. And, you're, and you're, you're mature enough to realize that you need you need some help. You need some next step. Call me. I read this week people talking about avoiding uncomfortable conversations because they wanted to just keep the peace. But if you think having uncomfortable conversations is hard, wait until you see the results of not having those conversations. You see, it's like putting off something inevitable. Like when, when the Holy Spirit leads you, because I, I hope that we're, that's okay to say today because I, I still believe in walking with the presence of God and the Holy Spirit leading me moment by moment throughout the day. That's the reality of walking with God, that you can have Him lead you into conversations. But see, when He puts you in a place to have a conversation, and it could be in your, in your household or it could be with a neighbor, but when, when we don't obey what the Holy Spirit is leading, 
then we are quenching the Holy Spirit. And we avoid perhaps having a difficult conversation because we're embarrassed. And we should be. Because it's humbling. And we don't tend to like to be humbled. But the relationship with God is always about humility. It begins there to say, you know what? I need a Savior who died on the cross. That's where it begins. I, I am at the end of myself. and I, I can't go on like this. And, and so relationship with God begins with this attitude of humility. But it continues as you mature as a Christian. It's not something you do one time and then you go on and live your proud life and make your proud decisions. No, you humble yourself before the hand of God, trusting that He will lift you up in due time, Scripture says. John 9, 4 tells us this. Actually, let me back up a minute. Give me Mark first, please. Mark 12. Beginning in verse 32. This is Jesus having a conversation. I want to begin with this today. Well said, teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Next verse. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to them, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I'm beginning here today because this conversation, the man responds correctly. He has great knowledge. And Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And we don't know how this goes on from here. But it's quite possible to sit in a church every week. It's quite possible to go to Bible college and go to seminary. It's quite possible to be in a discipleship group, in a small group. It's quite possible to serve. And the same be said at some point that you're not far from the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. It is not about your kingdom. And we get this wrong in the church today because there are a lot of churches that are built on a personality. A lot of churches that are built on a, a pastor or a Christian celebrity who thinks they're somebody. And it would be a shame and a tragedy to discover someday that you, know, you weren't far from the kingdom. You knew a lot, but you we're still far from the kingdom. You did not practice kingdom. You were about building up you. You were about gaining financially. You were, you were not in tune with what it is to walk in an upside down kingdom. See, we have an opportunity, we have a season to understand these kind of principles. But I am one that would, as John 9, 4 tells us, that as long as it is day, we must do the works of Him who sent me. But night is coming when no one can work. We're talking about time and we're talking about seasons. 
there's time and there's opportunity. But there comes a time when it, it, you're not going to be able to work anymore. There is no more opportunity to intercede in the life of that child, in the relationship of this marriage, in the relationship with your neighbor, to be a voice that is bold, to proclaim the gospel. There comes a time when it's not available anymore. There's an urgency when we understand and believe that time is short. I shared with you last week Thomas Aquinas. This was written 1300, I think published in 1500. But let me show these four idols to you once more. And try to bring this into context together. But he wrote that there were four idols, little g-gods, that tend to get our attention and tend to distract us. And I've listed those for us here that one is money. Money is a continual trap, potentially trap. Money, a continual opportunity to, to be led astray, to be distracted, to justify uh, the investment of time over all other relationships. Power, the ability to control others, to have a commanding position, to be number one in whatever field you're in, to have the authority to be in charge. There's pleasure. I'm going to unpack each one of these, but just the pursuit of feeling good. We, we just are always bored. We're always pursuing some type of pleasure. That's a real problem when you're older and you have to be alone and you don't like to be alone. There's fame, just the seeking of the approval of others, gathering a following. It is a thing, guys, that consumes our time, serves as a distraction, keeps us from our primary responsibility, perhaps of discipling our own children or having effectiveness in an upside-down kingdom because we're, we're constantly battling through these four idols. So this is an ancient writing, but it's still applicable today, maybe more than ever. These are the things that distract us. They are the temptations that promise to satisfy they all require an investment of time. It takes time for you to make money. It takes time for you to gain fame and power and, and to invest in pleasure. But they can be a distraction. So I, I list those for you today because as we walk through Scripture, as we walk through these concepts, I, I want you to evaluate. And perhaps one of these stands out. But as I've reflected on this for a couple of weeks, I really think that we're subject to be tempted in all of these areas continually. It might one day be one and then the next another, but they're, they're, the likelihood that there is one, perhaps, of these four that you deal with and you battle through more than others.
You look at money for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. Thank you, slide team, for getting that for, for me today. Thank you. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money, not money, but the love of it. All kinds of evil. You could follow the money and discover that there's all kinds of evil. Some people, not everybody, but some people, eager for money, that's, they're motivated by money, they've wandered from the faith. Wondered, and they've pierced themselves. They've done it to themselves. And they have many griefs, they have many regrets. I'm going to break that down a little for you because I think this is, this is so key. The love of money. See, if you are one who is to wonder, to wonder is to walk around slowly in a relaxed way or without any clear purpose or direction. It sounds like drifting to me. See, you really don't know. You maybe aren't even aware that you're motivated by money. You will do anything to have financial gain. And you've wandered perhaps from the faith. You've drifted perhaps from the faith. You've heard all the scriptures. You understand that you're a manager and not an owner. You understand that you're to honor God with the first fruit of what He entrusts to you. But you've wandered from the faith because it happens. It's a, it's a drift. I said a few weeks ago that do you not know this? That see, every time there's someone who is... Um, I can't remember the word. Deceived. Thank you. See, there's no one who's deceived who knows that they're deceived. That's, that's the whole principle of it. You don't know. And it, perhaps it is the Word of God and then the Holy Spirit that confirms and go, wait a minute, you know what? Maybe I have compromised. Maybe I have wondered. Maybe there is a root of evil that we have drifted perhaps from the faith, it's our, our priority is not the faith. Yeah, I made some promises with God. If He would do this, I'll do that. And God's come through and I've drifted away. And we begin to struggle with the management of the resources He's given us. We wonder from the faith. We justify not being fully there. Not being fully there with our family. Not being fully there with our church family. Because guys, we've got a side hustle and a triple hustle. And it takes time. It takes an investment of time. And, and at the end of the day, perhaps the potential to pierce us with many griefs, many regrets. Because you lived a life that put you far away from God and from the opportunity to disciple your own children even. And there's regret with that. Pierced with many griefs. I think there's an antidote. There is a, a counter for this. And I, and I believe that it is very simply this. That in order to not have a love of money requires 
the ability to understand that by faith, by faith, because I can't always see it in my bank account. I can't always see it in the forecast. But by faith, I'm believing that God is divinely involved in the financial realm of my life. My business, my ministry, my individual work, that He is divinely involved. It's called Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Genesis 22, because otherwise, if I don't feel like God is involved in that, then I feel a great need to work 80 hours a week and and to beat the door down. Make my shine myself, control the process, make my, my myself to the front of the line. Whereas if God is divinely involved and it's God's plan and his will, then I can accept that, see, God. Yeah, I'm involved in a bidding process, perhaps. From a business perspective, you're competing with others, and there's three bids on the table, but God's got the ability for that decision maker to choose you out of those three. That's, That's His divine hand. That's His blessing. That's His favor. So I'm trusting that that is involved rather than it's because I have... I'm such a great networker. I'm, I'm so good at, uh, at being a salesperson. Uh, no, I, w- I would prefer and have experienced the favor and blessing of God. So I'm convinced that he's divinely involved. He puts my name on people's mind in the middle of the night so they wake up the next morning and send an email or make a phone call. That's divine intervention. But see, that's countercultural. That's counter-kingdom. But that's people of faith walking. That God is involved in the financial realm. It, 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 it saves us from having the love of money. Being the driving point. Being the root of all evil. Wandering from the faith. Uh, living with regret. Trusting that God is provision. I want to tell you, Paul asked me this morning, are you you're going to tell anything personal today? Yeah, I am. I want you to turn back the clock to 2002. I know, were you even born? Eight years old. Well, I was, I was, uh, here's where I was. Paul and I had left Louisville, Kentucky with just a feeling and just a sense of, just a sense of call that God was leading us to return to Florida, to plant a church in Florida. And I can look back in in hindsight and I can see the hand of God and all roads leading me to stand right here before you today. But see, you're navigating those things and what that required was, I was was in a very, let let me call it a safe church. A lot of wonderful people, they took a chance on me, and uh, nobody got hurt. And I was with them, and we were in Louisville. We were doing ministry, learning, Paula teaching. But in that, in that segment of time is that God's meeting our needs. But to go to pack up everything and go to Florida means that we, 
We don't have jobs. We don't have income. And so it's got to be a pretty strong call of God to be able to go to Florida. We felt like enough that this was his plan. This was his will. Let's walk with that. And so in the middle of December, late December, before Christmas in 2001, we moved to Florida, moved back to Florida, and were able to find a, a housing situation. And within a few weeks, we had jobs. Paula had an amazing job. She's a teacher by training, and she um, had probably, the, I think, her favorite teaching job ever. Wow, great blessing. Love it. We love it when things go well. I, too, was offered a teaching job because they were desperate. They truly were. Uh, this classroom had been led by a teacher, a coach, and I think he had a better coaching opportunity, and so he left over the winter break, and so they needed somebody, needed a warm body. And they, they brought me in to talk to me. They said, now these kids are, are like one step from uh, juvenile detention. In fact, some have been in juvenile detention. And now they're back in your classroom. And so this is a very rough environment. And I said, okay, well, I didn't have any other options. No one was offering me anything else. And so I said, yes, I'll take that. And, and I, I only had a classroom of six students. And it was wild. And there was one of them. And he, I don't, he, he never liked to hear the word no. And he, but he was very creative and he had a nickname for me. And he, he said, and get this, get this, this, this you're going to want to know this later. He called me bald headed, booty chin, lion, no good preacher. One more time. Bald headed, booty chin. That means my chin looks like a tail. Lion, no good preacher. And he says that to me on a daily basis. <laughs> no, terrible. Because <laughs> it was rough. Because in my day, see, when I was in school in Kentucky, I don't know where, where it was for you, but they had a wooden paddle to straighten those things out. And I caught that paddle just a few times. But after that, I, I straightened right up. And I would have loved to have corrected him and have him grab his ankles. But, but there's laws in Florida. And uh, things have progressed. Not, maybe not for the better, but I had to take that from him. And that became our deal. You know, anytime I said no, that's what he said to me. And what he didn't know is that every morning, um, myself and another teacher with a similar situation, but we would gather, we would come early to school and we would gather and pray for him and those other students. Did I have a church? No. But could I be a man of God and a man of prayer in an environment where I am criticized and ridiculed because I'm where God has placed me to be? I'm walking in the provision that he's given me. Was it enjoyable? No. Was it easy? No. Was it leading me on the path to stand here with you now? Yes. I'm trying to tell you that sometimes God's provision may not be exactly what you want. 
but it will meet your needs. And I'm trusting that I was there for some purpose. I did my very best to love on them, to guide them, pastor my classroom, steer them in the things of God. They would ask me about things like that. And he would apologize to me sometimes. But I'm trying to tell you guys that you may not be working your dream job right now, but God's providing for you. And he's leading you on a process. And he's perhaps trying to teach you something. In addition to that teaching job, sometimes I would get a call and it would be, hey, can you help us on Saturday? We're doing a concrete job. And you could be a helper because you don't know how to do concrete. <laughs> but that's hard work. But they paid me and I needed it. And it was God's provision. And so I accepted. I said, every time they asked me, I said yes. In addition to that, there became an opportunity in the church we were in, in Lake Wales. Could you help with the youth group? Now, could you help? Could you volunteer? There was no money. There was no salary. But it's Paula and I, Allie and Katie. And Allie and Katie, they got early entrance into youth group when, you're, when your mom and dad are the leaders. It's the way it works. And thankfully, I think all four of us are here this morning. I'm trying to tell you, we, in addition to working multiple jobs, experiencing God's provision, we continue to serve as well. I share that with you because it's not, guys, I, I know some of you work a job, you work, a, you do a, you do something and you're not enjoying it. And we live in the day when those other, those other gods, it's not just money, but it's fame and reputation and pleasure and, and all those things. And you're battling against that in your mind and you're comparing yourself to other people and you feel like you're losing. And in fact, you could be exactly where God has called you to be. And you could be doing exactly what God has called you to do. And there's a future in mind, but there's things that we need to learn. And there's a maturity process. And a maturity process, for me, did not happen in a day or two. It happened over years. And I'm still maturing. I'm still growing, guys. I'm not Jesus. I want to know Him. I want to walk with Him. I want to be more like Him. Don't you? And so that requires, first of all, some hum humility just to remit that. Just to say, you know what, I don't have it all together. I have my moments. But I'm pursuing God. Power. I've had opportunities for power. You have too, I'm sure. But little known facts about me. I I've shared with you sometimes about my Air Force days. I was nominated for Airman of the Year. And that was a big deal back then. The winner, if I was selected, I, I would get to have my photo and have a lunch with Ronald Reagan, the president. That was a big deal. Um, and so when there's a big deal like that in your life and mind, guys, it, it does, it kind of feels good, doesn't it? It speaks to our ego. It speaks to who we are. I had to make a decision, though, because they wanted, they said, you know, if we, we, we think you're going to get this, but if we do this, then 
you've got to commit to another four years. And that was tempting. It was more pay. It was more recognition. It was, it, it was the progression, career, military progression model. But see, what they didn't know and understand is that the Spirit of God was already at work in me and giving me the steps to an opportunity to serve more in the kingdom. Well, Ronald Reagan doesn't understand that. My superiors in the military didn't understand. They don't even want to have that discussion. But see, that's how that, that's the battle against this. It's a battle, you know, when, when, when you're being stroked, when you're being recognized, when you're being number one, but then the Spirit of God is at work saying, you know what? No, don't commit to four more years. And you can't explain why, because in an upside down kingdom, no one wants to understand or hear why you would take less financially or less recognition because you're trusting Jehovah Jireh. It's a different deal. I went that path. I said no. I wasn't nominated. Shocked a few. I go on with my progression and I end up um, another key point in life. I've been recognized again. I was the number one sales manager in the Southeast United States. You know, at the time, that's a big deal. I was flattering. They send me to Las Vegas. Paul and I both, they take our picture, and, you know, we get recognition with the CEO, you know, the big-time company, you know, big deal, and all the flattery that goes with that, and here's where you're going to be. This is 1995. And then by, by three years later, I'm serving in that church in Louisville, Kentucky. Because we said no. Even though it felt good, even though it was flattering, even though it was a great income opportunity, it's that the Spirit of God is at work in an upside-down kingdom. It, guys, it's the same for you. Guys, you like to be recognized. You, we like to be in positions of authority. We like to we like that. That it's it's normal. It's natural. It, but it, there is a spiritual process too to be able to recognize. You know, this is not how God is leading me. And to be able to say no in an upside down kingdom, trusting that God's got something going on. D.L. Moody said this. I think this this is worth noting. That our greatest fear should not be a failure, although that's legit, that's, I, I battle with that, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. You see, number one sales manager in the Southeast United States, there's not one person other than me that remembers that today. It's meaningless, it's worthless. At some point, I, I had a nice little trophy and plaque, I threw it away because nobody cared. But I could have gone on. I could have progressed in that. I could have walked that path. But I would have succeeded at something that doesn't really matter. And I would not be here with you today. 
And I'd much rather be right here. Let's talk about pleasure. We live in the day of the pleasure-seeking generation. That's one of the four, is pleasure. Do you want attention from others? We deliver social media. Do you want to kill boredom? There's Netflix, there's YouTube, there's multiple options to entertain you. You want food? Uber Eats. You want sex? There's pornography. There's other options too, outside of the covenant of marriage, which is God's plan and which is biblical, but for those seeking pleasure, there's every option. It's also expensive. A pleasure-seeking generation, it's expensive to entertain yourself at all times. Pleasure-seeking is defined as the practice of always trying to do things that make you happy rather than working or doing other useful activities like kingdom activities. Always the thing that makes you happy. Let me ask you a question. Do you find yourself in a continual state of boredom? That you can't stand to be alone? That you've got to be entertained? Because they say that that's Generation Z. That, that, that's how you've been brought up. You've been brought up on devices and you just kind of constantly be entertained. You've got to constantly be seeing something. You cannot stand to be alone, which is, means then that you cannot stand to be in the secret place where there's only Scripture and there's only the presence of God and there's only you speaking with God and, and, and trying to understand what He's speaking to you. You see, there's less and less time for that because of little G-God's. That promise to satisfy, that promise to entertain, and they do not live up to their promises. Apostle Paul telling us in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The Lord's will, I can share that with you today. We can share this here, but that, see, the caution is on you to not be foolish, to know what the Lord's will is, and understanding that the days are evil, and being careful, not being unwise, but being wise, not going your own way, recognizing, first of all, your constant need for pleasure. Number four, the last one, fame. The admiration of others, approval and respect from others. Seeking a following. Seeking someone to say, man, great job. Getting the applause, getting the followers, uh, having the influence, um, living in a day when you see a pathway, oh my goodness, I, I could be famous here. Maybe I pay for a little advertising. Maybe I, I just do the right video or I, I say the right things and this goes viral and all of a sudden everybody knows who I am.
Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. His plan, not my plan. If we embrace this, but do you really want God's plan for your life? Or do you have a plan that you'd rather he just bless your plan? That's a fair question. He, he has a plan. But it might be walking a path where you get called some names and you have to endure some criticism and you have to do some concrete work and, and you have to be inconvenienced and, and you have to exercise some faith and, and it's not really secure and it's not patting your pockets and, and, and it's not making you famous and it's not serving your need for pleasure, but it's His plan. Let me give you an image today of a buffet line. Mmm, looks good. Lots of options. A whole lot of options. I share that image with you today because I'd love for you to reflect on what it might look like if perhaps your Christian experience right now might look a lot like a buffet. Where Jesus is one option among many things to choose from. You've got a whole buffet of life options. Where you can just add Jesus to all the hopes and dreams and the four idols that you're working with. Let me tell you what the gospel has done for me. It's not self-help. No, it, it, it's confrontational. The gospel confronts my plans. And the gospel confronts my pride. And leaves everything at the foot of the cross. to say, Lord, what is it that you want? What is your plan? What is your direction? It's confrontational. Not a buffet. And yet we read throughout church history, men and women, they come to Christ. Maybe they had a particular career field that they were working in, but they, oftentimes they accept and follow Christ, and it's the end of their career. No longer a tax collector. No longer a fisherman. No longer doing what they thought they were going to do because they're confronted by the gospel. And we have a room full of people today that have, that have done exactly that. They were engineers and they were teachers and they were accountants and they come from all different backgrounds and they come to the confrontation of the gospel and laying down their life to say, I feel the call of God in my life to go as a missionary to another country Trusting that God's going to bring provision and God has got a plan and a purpose for my life and I'm laying it all there. And so now I'm going to teach in a Christian school serving missionary in uh, other Christian families. I'm going to work out in rural areas. But it's been confrontational. I'm no longer an accountant. I'm no longer an airplane mechanic. I'm no longer... A pilot. I'm no longer an engineer. I am 
I've been confronted and I've said yes to follow Jesus. And it means I'm saying no to these four idols because I've got to follow after Jesus. Because at the end of the day, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. Not good and faithful leader. Not good and faithful influencer. Not, not good and faithful accountant or engineer or pilot or anything else, but good and faithful servant that understood the call and the confrontation that exists for the gospel. Psalm 24 and verse 4. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, the psalmist tells us the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol of, of money, power, fame, or pleasure or swear by a false god. This is who will ascend the hill of the Lord. We're not trusting in idols. And it's very tempting. If anything's been exposed, as we've shared the last two weeks, if perhaps you're trusting in money, or you're trusting in fame, or you're trusting in power, you're trusting in pleasure. And may the Lord free us that we may be able to say yes to anything that He asks us to do. I love this quote from Mike Bickle. From the International House of Prayer, he said he calls this radical Christianity. Guys, it's not going on a mission trip or big conference. It's staying steady for decades. It's like taking taking a long walk in the same direction and putting one foot in front of the other, and you continue walking. And you walk through good days and you walk through bad days. You walk through fun days and you walk through awkward and difficult days and discouraging days. But you're going to keep walking. And as I reflect on the giants of the faith that have influenced my life, I'm thankful for so many people that they did exactly this. You don't know who they are. They never authored a book. They never had a huge following, but their example was that they, they stayed steady walking for decades. They walked with God. They had a living testimony. They were bold. And they encouraged me to do the same. And most of them have passed on. And I stand here with you, and I'm just passing on. I saw this quote, and I said, I've got to share this because this is so true. Otherwise, we, we try to get this big high, and we, we walk in this emotional high many times. I love when the presence of God and the Holy Spirit is overwhelming. But on, honestly, not, not every day do I sense that. But I'm still called for a steady walk. I'm still called to walk with God and listen for His voice and to be God-honoring in my decision-making. But the alternative is this, and I'll close with this. Matthew chapter 4, the temptations of Jesus. I'm just going to read a couple of verses, verses 8 and 10. Again, the devil took Him to a very high mountain 
Jesus and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of the opportunities. All of the money. All of the fame. All of the power. All of the pleasure. This can be yours. If you'll bow down and worship me. And so you may be able to quickly say no to that. Oh, no way. But see, it, it, it comes deceptively. It comes a little at a time. And as we have dreams about fame and power. We want to be the best in the world. We want to be the, the top something in the world. The greatest athlete, the, the greatest musician, the greatest, most famous actor. We want to be, want to pastor the biggest church, have the biggest name and all those kind of things. God, have, or your, your, your field, accounting, engineering. You want to be at the top of your game. You want to be the, the most well-known. You want the most sought after. You want it all. You want the riches that come with that. You want the fame. You want the power. You want the pleasure that it provides. But what if it takes you away from what God has for you? Embracing a little G God. The writer of Hebrews speaks of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. But it looks good for a while. It looks good for a season. Let me tell you what a season looks like. This is what Satan's house looks like. He creates his house to be comfortable for those who sin. He has comfortable chairs in his living room. His refrigerator is full. The pantry is full. The electric and water bills have already been paid. But it always feels a little lukewarm. The bedrooms have partners waiting on you. All the clothes in the closet perfectly fit you. The money in the safe is full. There's only one issue about Satan's house. There always seems to be a lukewarm, stale air in the house. Because even though everything's wonderful, the AC doesn't always seem to work as good as at everyone else's house. Something wrong down in the basement in the boiler room. It's very hot and the, and the heat is building up. But he doesn't want you to go down there. Not to the basement. That's for later. He wants you to enjoy the house. Enjoy the bedroom. Enjoy the full refrigerator. Enjoy the sin for a season. But the Bible says that in the end there is death. When you die, you'll have to take a walk down into the basement where all the heat is coming from. And that's why it was never comfortable to sin. After you sinned and you felt something was wrong because His house was never meant for you. His house was meant for Him. Sin for a season. Little G-God's. I don't know where you're at today. 
But I feel a great responsibility to to preach repentance. That you should turn from sin. Because a holy God calls you into relationship with Him. It's a walk of humility. It's a rejection of little g-gods. It's acknowledgement of Him as Savior and as Lord that there is no other way. Now, I know many want to say today, just use a pluralistic, just say God. and Well, a lot of people say God. and That's not really being fair. If you know that Jesus is your Savior, then I would encourage you to be very clear about how you use that language and send that message. Otherwise, you're, you're being cruel to other people. And I'm telling you today, Jesus is the only way. The only pathway to know God, to walk in relationship. But it requires a repentance of sin. And I'm giving you a warning today. A warning of what Satan's house is like. But he, he invites you in. He, he Enjoy the pleasure. You've got lots of time. You've got lots of breath in you, lots of life in you. That old preacher, he doesn't know anything about Jesus coming back. That's the arguments. That's the counter-arguments. And so you live your life and you walk in your religion and you play the games and you attend the assemblies and you go to groups and you serve and you wear the shirt. And I'm telling you today, there's a holy God who's calling you into relationship with Him. Repentance of sin. It's very simple. It's you humbling yourself. It's you asking for mercy and grace and forgiveness. Asking for a work of God within you. Holy Spirit, that you would come. Not just an intellectual decision, but that the Holy Spirit would come. Fill my life. Lead my life. It's not complicated. But it's your part. And I'm convinced that in my spirit as I share here today that there are people in this room within the sound of my voice and you're not walking with God. There's secret sin in your life. And I'm calling you to repentance today. With clarity, with the support of the Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you as we are going to pray in a moment. And as we pray, I am the closeout today. There is no more music. There's nothing else coming. It's just you and God. And I'm inviting you. You want to come and pray for you or you want to pray for someone who's lost your child, your friend, your neighbor, I encourage you to come and do that today because God, we, guys, we live in the day. We live in the day that God is real and God is intersecting your life and it's not a, it's not a time to play games. You've played games for too long and I'm trying to be as clear as I possibly can. Let today be the day of your salvation. Lord, I thank you today for this assembly. I thank you for the people that are gathered here today. And I pray that, Lord, the clarity that you've given me, I pray that you bring that same clarity to every person and every soul that's here today or joining us online. Let there be no doubt that the presence of God is near. Because Holy Spirit, you have come. 
and you're speaking and you're giving us time you're giving us opportunity to make the adjustments in our life and for many it is acknowledgement of who you are it is repentance of the sin that so easily entangles us but God I know that you'll do your work you'll do your work and many that are in this room today God I pray Holy Spirit that you give someone the confidence today to respond to set aside every sin that entangles them personally that God you would call them today to repentance and to fellowship with you by the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins Lord today let let today be the day of salvation for someone others today heavy on their heart is a friend is a neighbor is a loved one is a child is a brother is a sister God they know that these people are not walking with you they've become convinced that it's just not reality just God you've forgotten about us and I, I don't see that at all in my spirit doing my best to be a voice to be a watchman on the wall to be a voice crying in the wilderness declaring today there's a better way there's truth, there's life there's abundant life there's some here today Lord they walk with a profession of faith but they are not walking in the abundance of life you call them to a life of holiness and they reject it and Lord, let today be the day of salvation. Pray in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, people here to pray with you. They're bilingual. Spanish, English. I'm going to wait up here myself. If you don't need to pray, I pray you're dismissed to go and be the church, guys. Go and be a messenger. Be one a man or woman of testimony. God bless you. Have a great week. But if you have a need, come and pray. Hope to see you next week.